0: Welcome back to another week of the Para Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Bertie. Hi, how's it going? Forty. Hey, fellas. Ham. Yeah. And PM. I'm back refreshed and ready to go. And I'm your host, Hamish. Um, a couple of us back from the trip up to Maitland. Um, uh, so we'll just dig straight in. Uh, first, we'll jump into the news. Not too much news this week other than um, to kick us all off. uh, We've got a couple of articles coming out of the uh, para The first one is Takarangi uh, and his move to the back row. He seems to be uh, very at home in the second row position, um, especially after that weekend's
1: performance. Um, You boys think the same about that? Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it wasn't (laughs) anything spectacular, but he was just really solid on both sides of the ball. Um, he got the chance to flash a little bit later in the game when he kicked the 40 20. But uh, it was, you know, as smooth a transition as you're expecting. And to be fair, Tacker's got plenty of experience in the back row from his playing days at the Roosters and the Titans. So, where he sort of, you know, filled in everywhere from the back line to the back row. So, it's not a, a move without uh, experience for Tacker.
2: Yeah, he looked good on that. Um, We had one set play that I remember him doing where the second row goes to the line with the ball and the half sweeps around the back. That was really quick. But other than that, yeah, it was just a, just a solid hit-out for him.
3: It was hard to spot him with the new haircut. So like used to having the,
0: yeah, the crazy yeah, the hair, products. you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> but he did, he looked good, though. Like, There's a fair
0: yeah. few with new haircuts.
4: I did um, mention it in the, um, the Discord that he does look a bit bigger. Uh, like, he's put on weight, you know, so that's a good thing. Jeez,
1: because... Bertie, <laughs> Don't shame him.
4: <laughs> no, just, he has put on size though a, had yeah, a good Christmas like if he was the same weight as he was in the centres he'd probably be you know a bit too light for the back row so it's it's good that he's put on weight because now he's going to finish his career in the back row you know he's not going to go back
3: well BA BA's listening yeah. to this now you've put him in the fat club so he's going to have to <laughs> do all, extra train now he's going to blame you Birdie
4: <laughs> well, I won't make another comment about a player's weight play anymore <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, he's no uh, Murata near Corey in the second row, but, you know, he's doing a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, on to the next little bit of news. Uh, the biggest bit of news this week um, that I'm sure all Para fans at home are very excited about. Nathan Brown is being reported to have signed on for a further three years in the blue and gold, keeping him at the club until 2021. Uh just reports of this at the moment. We haven't got any official confirmation, but they seem to be um
1: there were there were quotes from Brown though, weren't there, in a media piece today implying as much. Or was that Yeah, was there were definitely um, uh,
0: Brownie definitely was implying that he was gonna stay. Yeah, um but then again, you know, nothing's ever set in stone until you get yeah. a yeah. uh report from the club, and even then you could do a Moses Sully and be out the door twenty eight Damn right. <laughs> 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 Um, all right and following on from that there's only just a couple little bits and pieces Bevan French did a um, rundown on his performance I think uh, BA got
1: into him about that first uh, try, which out, yeah. was
0: which was pretty rough but um, I guess the expectations are very high this season Yeah, well,
1: he put himself in a position to make the try saver and he couldn't quite finish it I suppose so it's one of those ones where you know when you're looking to become a premiership contender you need to be saving points and scoring points in the most extreme situations
0: and the last bit of news was Tim manner down there to kick off the 2018 NRL season today. Um, that was just ops <laughs> and a bit of crap. But you were saying DCA took a uh, rocket in the neck or something? <laughs> he,
1: he copped the fireworks sparks the neck. Yeah. Uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of the season launch, did you guys have a chance to watch the uh, This is How We League uh, video? Just it yeah. before. What do you think? I didn't. I, I wasn't. I didn't mind that the TV channel in yeah. the sense that you know you want a season launch. Video to really pump you up, and I thought it was just kind of like a interesting story of the very backgrounds of rugby league for fans, rather than a good pump up campaign. Yeah,
2: I thought it was good. Yeah, um, well, for an individual game, say so if Oz yes.
1: playing the Roosters,
2: yeah. that'd be absolutely fantastic. That'd be
1: awesome marketing if it was like in the lead up to that game. They released that; that'd be amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, but as a product, as an NRL product, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't really encapsulate all like. I know we're, we're Parramatta podcast. So we're going to talk about Parramatta, you know, all that there was. Bevan French, really like, we're more than just Bevan French, you know. Where was the blue and gold? Where was an eel logo? So,
0: yeah, and plus the the flagrant false advertising with the uh, driver of the car saying he doesn't mind manly, like
1: yeah, as a West, <laughs> as a West fan, doesn't mind manly. Come on, <laughs> like who does like manly? Man. Come on, yeah, you know, no, 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 no manly I know. fans like manly no. at the moment, I reckon.
0: Mm. they're in in a love-hate relationship with themselves
4: (laughs) I I like the whole um, you know like uh, players leaving uh, their teams and coming up against I'm I'm a big fan of it like um, in NBA this year it was very similar like a lot of players this was one of the biggest free agencies like crossing like players that's
1: that's actually a good point Bertie it's good to see the NRL embracing the not quite the hatred but that aspect of the game where you have those big blockbuster signings that cause a lot of outcry in the, the fandom of one club and a lot of, you know, obviously joy in the fandom of, like say, the Roosters for those boys, but yeah you want to embrace that, you want to hype up those storylines because when Teddy does come back to play the Tigers you want as many people in there either screaming in support or baying in, you know, not hatred or maybe hatred, but in, you know discontent about the move, so it, it adds yeah, another I'm layer of theater to the game Look,
4: like when Haynes signed with the Titans, I'm not going to lie I never watched him play but as soon as he signed, I watched him the play because I wanted to sign. <laughs> you know? so I can see a lot of Tigers fans. Oh, absolutely. Roosters, it, it's, you
1: know? it, there is an element of theatre to sport, and you know, especially rugby league, where there are so many grassroots rivalries that should absolutely be played up more. And it, it can add so much. And it can be overdone at times if they do it the wrong way. But it adds so much to a game when you really build and buy into that rivalry, you know, even if it's an obscure one. Yeah, I mean, right, like boys.
2: having um,
0: ah, oh, don't, don't worry about it. He's, he's going to oh, make us go
1: on. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, I was just going to say let's move on because we've got a lot to get to to review, um, and we don't want to be stuck talking about Teddy and these bloody old tigers and whatever crap. Mm. Uh, all right. Sorry. Yeah, bloody roosters. Uh, moving on to the reviews. Now, unfortunately, nobody uh, from the pod got down to the junior reps. Uh, just because everybody was travelling up to yeah, Maitland, and of course junior reps were played out at St Mary's, so it was a bit difficult um, to get to both. Uh, but anyway, we'll just review the scores, which were in the Tasha Girls. Uh, the Eels Tasha Gales went down twenty to forty-two to the Panthers. Um, again, the girls need a bit of work, so that's two losses from they're, their two starts, and they're not on. as far
1: off the pace as a couple of the other teams out there. They're getting fresh by ninety, but they do need a bit that's of work. That's right. Uh one thing I can say about that game is that they were getting beaten pretty comprehensively early on, but I think they finished pretty strongly. Uh so in the last quarter they sort of rallied and scored a couple of good tries. Uh this is this is what I was told, um secondhand information. But yeah, it's a case of there's a couple of powerhouse teams in that competition and the girls got a bit of work to do to get up to the standard of those uh front runners.
0: And then in the Harold Matthews it was Panthers twenty five, Eels twenty two.
1: Yeah, Harold Matthews, we held a 16 point lead at one point. We're up 22 to 6. And then, uh, sort of, things unravel a bit at the end when we uh, kept some of our core forwards probably on the bench a little bit too long, uh, sort of let the game slip away from us. We were dominating through the middle for vast majorities of that game. Uh, manly sort of took their chances and started spreading the ball to the edges and throwing it around a bit. Penrith. Uh, sh- oh, manly Penrith. Penrith. What am I saying? It was its still the same information, just with Penrith, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Penrith, Penrith were getting beaten up the middle, uh, and that's how we got to our big lead. But then they started taking their chances on the edges. couple of um, you know, long-range tries with some great passing in between the edges. Uh, we sort of left a couple of our key players on the bench probably for a little bit too long. I um, meant the game slipped away by the time I got back on, and uh, it was you know almost too late. I mean, the ref came us as well. I think it was a pretty big um, penalty differential. So, Disappointing. But it's one of those games that hopefully they can rebound from and learn a few lessons. Uh, plus, losing to Penrith, you know, you got the Penrith junior base, which is oh, it's it's no shame. Penrith are absolutely well, yeah. one of the the top teams. Like Parramatta should be, and a handful of the other teams with the the, the nurseries they have, they should always be strong. And Penrith, I do believe, have a pretty uh, handy sixteen
2: side this year. And so as long as they go back later in the year and they learn from their mistakes, you know,
1: that's the yeah. thing, all we can ask from them. Um, so. And yeah. th- this is what we're going to touch on when we. Uh, wrap up the next game in the ball. But an early loss like this in the season is not, you know, the end of um, everything. And oftentimes it can be used as a galvanizing uh, moment for the rest of your campaign. But sorry, Hamish, you go.
0: Yeah. So on to that SG ball result, which was 42 to Panthers, 14 Ailes. Um Obviously yeah. they need a little bit of work.
1: Yeah. You know, it was actually close to half time, I believe. I think it was um, 14-12 to Penrith and then – uh, or maybe it was 16-14 or 14-12 to the Parramatta. I can't remember. I'm just looking at that score of 14 from the Eels and trying to figure out how we got there. Uh, but we were just dreadful, I think. It was just a case of everything we did wrong, uh, everything we could have done wrong, we did do wrong. And Penrith were very good in the day, but it was a case of we beat ourselves more than they beat us, which I don't want to be disrespectful to the Panthers because they also trialled very strongly against us in the 18s as well. But if we played to our potential, it would have been a very close game. If both teams are playing at the higher levels, uh, I, what I will say is, and, and Ham can back me up on this, is that there is a, a corollary to a very similar game last year when we started off the season with a couple of good wins, and then met Illawarra in a home game for us at Cabramatta, and we just got spanked. It was just awful. Uh, we lost by 50 to 20 or something. Was it Ham? Um, I'm just looking it up now. It was brutal. Uh, Stefano Torcimanno did his shoulder and was out for the season that game and then we just did nothing. And so what I'm hoping is that this is a very similar line-in-the-sand game where the boys sort of got a wake-up call, plenty of talent in the roster, you know, I mean, they're defending national champions, and, you know, they sort of had a bad day where they probably phoned it in a little bit, and, you know, next week they're going to start aiming up.
2: Uh, just on that score, 54-26 to 26 against the Aurora Steelers round three so last I was
1: in the ballpark, yeah. That game was rough. <laughs> it was really bad. And you know what? We actually, even to continue to parallels, we started that first half really well. We were up by two tries at one point, I think. And uh, pretty similar to this Penrith game where it was, you know, Parramatta 12-something to Penrith at one point. And yeah, and it just slipped away. Uh, no ball control. No respect in defence. Started arm grabbing. Uh, really bad defensive structures. Let you know multiple tries be scored in a row off uh, repeat sets. So and that's what uh, led to the big grout. So it's going to be a theme I think into the next game as well.
0: Yeah, well we'll get to those previews at the end. Um, I'm just trying to look up that halftime score, which it doesn't seem to have. But uh, so for the Eels, there was two tries to Key and one to Tassapale. With Schneider kicking one from three, but uh, the halftime score, sorry, was 16 10.
1: 16 10. So, yeah, very quite, so, like, you know, very competitive. And, uh, you know, we just, the wheels fell off in the second half. There you go. All but, right. Now, yeah, sorry. So, I was going to say, not doom and gloom yet. You know, there's plenty of talent in that team.
0: And it's a long season. So, absolutely. Um, on to next week. We'll preview that a little bit later. Um, so,. Now, the matches that we did get a chance to watch, if you were down at Maitland Stadium at about 10 o'clock, you would have seen the uh, Tasha Gales uh, Knights team beat up on the Bulldogs team. I think it was 92 to 4. Yeah, um, then those... there was another big one. I think the Sharks put the Sharks two, yeah. on somebody else as yeah, well. Yeah, 96 so.
2: to 2, I think it was.
0: <sighs> there you are. Um, now, I only arrived at about 3 o'clock in time for the flag. Uh, which saw the Eels go into half time at ten nil but then finish the game down thirty to ten. So the Knights were coming away winners thirty to ten. forty you were saying that there was good signs in the first half, but from when I was watching the second half, yeah. ball control yeah. again was a oh, major issue.
1: You, you talk about a game of two halves and you know rugby league cliches and all that. We handled the Knights really easily in the first half. They had you know multiple sets in our line. We just turned them away if had an issue uh, we would march down the field and we blew about three chances to score tries. Dylan Brown knocked over, uh, knocked on over the line after dumbing his way through. Uh, and then there was a couple of like last passes where we were in the process of trying to dive over through contact and we dropped the ball. Uh, we we were completely on track, looked like the team everyone we um, everyone expected we would be. Half time comes around, we take a couple of our key forwards off. And we just like stayed in the the change rooms. We came out, dropped the ball. I think we completed two sets in the second half, and that's been generous. It might have been one set. And then we just stopped using our shoulders to tackle. Defensive structures fell apart. Nice just went bang, 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 and played really good footy to their credit as well. And they put on 30 points unanswered. So the first half, really good. Second half, really concerning. Much like the SG ball, I think that's going to be a big wake up call. They can't just, you know, stroll in and expect to spank all the different teams in the competition. Uh, I still expect them to be front runners in this um, in this 20s grade, though. It's too good a team. Yeah, the only bad thing you can say about that
2: first half was that they didn't put on more than 10 points when they, yeah, you know, that they, last they, pass. They absolutely they should have put yeah. on 20, possibly even 30 points, which should have carried them through, and given more confidence running into the second half. But yeah, that second half, absolutely woeful. I spoke to, um, I ran into Jesse Cronin along the way, and, um, you know, I'm he, he was absolutely filthy with it. So, yeah, humble brag, <laughs> another one from Ham. So, But, yeah, he, just, um, he was filthy with himself with the team. So, you know, if they're all as
1: disappointed as he was, then they've got a lot to look forward to in Round 1. Yeah, and this is a team that's going to have very high expectations of themselves. Uh, they've had success in every grade they've come through at Parramatta, right up to the grand final last year where they were done on the buzzer uh, against Manly. So it's it's not an issue. I mean, round one's going to tell us a lot if it will if it was an issue. But I think that they'll rebound pretty strongly. Uh, it was interesting to see who was trying to take ownership of the team in that uh, testing uh, conditions in the second half. I thought Ethan Parry, even though the board didn't come his way a lot, he did a very good job of trying to rev up his teammates. Uh, Dylan Brown never stopped trying, which is you know to be expected of him. He's got a huge engine for a half, doesn't stop. Uh, and I mean, it, it was just. It's really hard to point to individuals and say, you know, he messed up. It's his fault. It was just, like I said, really poor defensive structures across the entire middle. All of their tries were scored within like five metres of either side of the posts. They just, you know, once they got to our red zone, we just fell apart and, um, you know, stopped having that commitment to the defensive side of the game that we prided ourselves on through our greats in the recent years under Brad.
0: But, and it yeah. should be noted that for people that do watch under-20s, they'll note that uh, under-20s is a game of momentum. Oh, Massive yeah. momentum shifts, and once Knights uh, swung that momentum to their way, they just never let up because we just dropped the ball in our own like or 40.
1: We, we completed maybe two sets in the second half, and it became a running joke from where we were sitting, um, you know, watching the game. Are we going to get through to, to our kick? Nope, drop pass or forward pass or, you know, just some really elementary error. So, in a way, it's a good game to have on tape because there's so much to pull apart and criticise. And this is on both a a micro level of players and on a macro level as a team. And, yeah, I'm pretty confident they'll bounce back in a big way. There's way too much class. All right. Now, on to the – oh, sorry. Go, home. I was just going to say, yeah. Like, just the team's too good, like, talent-wise and even attitude-wise. Sorry, Ham, you had something to say? No, I'm good. All good?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you'll definitely have something to say on the reserve grade team. So, Wente. Uh, played out their second draw of the season of the um pre-season, pre-season. trials um which was a 22 draw a 22 all draw uh, the knights had a chance to either kick a penalty goal or score or do a much um, much
1: like how wenty could have kicked the penalty goal against the bears in the preceding trial. it's yes but uh, went went for gold and
0: i guess it's a pre-season trial so yeah exactly uh, bit of, um, um, now there was a bit of luck To uh, Wenty, especially with their first try with Nathan Davis uh, going over. Um, He he was almost in the grandstand when he fumbled the ball over the dead ball line, Um, but he claimed it. And to his credit, (laughs) the refs gave it to him. So he's got a very good uh, try celebration. Um, But beyond that, um, it was again, it was a game of two halves with uh, some of the younger blokes coming on in the second half. Uh, Our young hooker, um, sorry, what's his name? Red Money. Yeah, Reid Marnie uh, had a couple of big efforts at the back end of the game to to seal it up for for or mm-hmm. we'll seal up a draw.
1: Yeah, to um, get him back into the, the contest and then get the draw. But who were your standouts, boys? Uh, I, I think once again, David Gow was really good. He's just been a, a force, you know, as a quote unquote old man in the grade. He's you know looking as good as ever. Left uh, second, right and Corey was. Outstanding on both sides of the ball. He made a couple of really flashy defensive plays where he went from, uh, he saved a certain try, he went from the middle of the ruck to the sideline in a flash to stop a length of a field counter-attacking try off a kick, and then he had a couple of rattling hits and just ran strongly. Uh, aside from that, Reed was very good at the back end. He set up the uh, the goal was it the goal ahead try hand and Hamish for uh, I think it was to draw it out Nathan, Nathan Maloney. I think I was getting hot chips at that time. So. <laughs> it, was, it was either the go-ahead or the, the lock-up try.
0: It was uh, the lock-up
1: try, the back end yeah. of the... Um, who else was good in that game? I was trying to think. I mean, our edge has got very... As far as, like, quality bore. our edge has got very little looks at the opposition, which, once again, is to be expected. I, didn't the mind the, um, I actually didn't mind the half. Um, Corey.
2: Uh, Puri, quarry. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I thought um, you know, as a reserve grade half, he was—he looked sharp in the first twenty or so minutes. He died off a little he, bit. He right.
1: had the seven on his back, but he was playing more of a uh, conventional six. I thought he was running first yep. a little bit wider than that. But uh, he, I
0: quite uh, like Kayser Pritchard in the
1: first half. Yes, he actually, had a that's really a that's good, good uh, point.
0: Uh, he, he did. He, um, he had a really good break, which almost led to a well. Actually, resulted in that first try. That's um, right. Off the back of a penalty, but uh, yeah, he split them apart a and couple he, um, of times and looked dangerous in the
1: ball. Some new tools in the the bag as well for a, a really good kick from dummy half two, which has been one of the lacking elements of his game. Is that you know he's a little bit one dimensional. Awesome, you know, defensive guy and can run the ball fast, but he hasn't really got much of that uh, nuance to his game that Cameron King has. But that was a very good um, showing. Uh, I was trying to think who else was uh, anyone
4: make a claim for like a bench spot. Come round,
1: round one. I think the the player and we'll get into this with the NRL trial. But the player that improved their stocks the most on the weekend was Morata. Uh, yeah, had, boy. Had, <laughs> yeah. Birdie just heard his name. Sixties are called the effort on effort place or effort upon effort. You know, it's the one percent stuff where you're, you know, you've got your defensive assignment in your position, whether it's on the edge or in the middle, and the play goes away from there. And you sort of you keep your head up and you're looking around and you're making sure that as the ball moves across if there's a breakdown elsewhere in the system you're across there to make a save and like I said he had he had a huge effort on that kick return where he had no right to make that tackle the guy there was no one in front of him after that and he um he knocks him down and the next play went to get a turnover so that's the sort of stuff that really catches the eyes of the coaches and he did the exactly the same stuff in the NRL trial which we'll get to in a minute
0: and just on David Gower he was playing left second row. Um, so not yes. in the Ford, uh,
1: not in the prop room, not in the engine room. Yeah, as a um, second rower, Ray Stone was in the lock position, and it wasn't his um his uh flashiest game, Ray, but he had a couple of good defensive plays, and yeah, you know, did, didn't do as much to enhance his first grade prospects in the short term as a couple of other boys, but he'll be fine thereabouts.
0: All right, now on to first grade, what we've all been waiting for. Uh, Obviously, we didn't start very well with the Knights uh, getting an early try to SKD, and the Knights really put it on um, in the first uh, 5 to 10 minutes. 15, 20 Um, minutes, would you say? Yeah, up to the 20-minute mark, actually. Um, But then after that, once their bench came on, I think we sort of just uh, ran away with it, and we got into our groove, and the passes stuck. Um, But who were your standouts, boys? So,
4: I didn't watch this live. I actually watched the replay, and I... I, for once, thought Tim Manor did all right. Like, he, um, his post contact meters I thought was pretty good. So, you know, like, uh, other than that, uh, maybe Jared Hayne, he's, he's, I reckon he'll be good because he's, um, he's, he's, he's like two, three defenders. So it's, it, he's going to make his, uh, winger free. So, yeah, um, other than that, nothing else I uh, can pr- pretty much comment on. Maybe Moses can improve his goal kicking, but <laughs> yeah, that, that was easily
1: the biggest concern to come out of that game, and I highlighted my whiskey musings, but the rest of the team was really solid. But the goal kicking, he wasn't far off either side of the post and it was kicking, but, you know, you've got to sink more than one from five and Corey obviously was 0 from 1 two. If I had to give
2: a man of the match for that game, it would be Bevan French easy. Just, you know, he was – he had spiders on him in that first half. No one could touch him, especially, um, you know, that break he made running from dummy half. Yeah. Just dummy the ball to Hayne and just – straight through no one touched him and then unfortunately he threw a forward pass yeah but... it was
0: forwards. <laughs> yeah he held on to it too long yeah he yeah. yeah, had ponga ponga like tied up like a pretzel yeah
2: <laughs> but if you had to if i had to give him a man of the match performance even though he only played 60 minutes i think it was or something like that um
1: i don't it think was... anyone stood out as much as him he was he was on fire it's interesting too because if anything, for a trial, expectations were set super high for Bevan because Brad had come out earlier that week on Triple M. And aside from rapping Guffo, because he, you know, he loves Guffo, everyone loves Guffo, and Guffo's approach to training is phenomenal, he came out and said that Bevan French had impressed him the most in the preseason. You know, he'd gone to, I think, like, not quite verbatim, but sim- like, paraphrasing, he'd gone to another level. You know, he had a bit more muscle, um, upper body and legs. You know, he's taking ownership of the team with his voice, and you're sort of expecting, with that huge shootout at fullback coming in a couple of weeks, you know, you're looking to see Bev take that next step and it looks like off that trial, you know, he's down the right path.
0: And he definitely showed that upper body strength for that uh, first try of his where he just barbed over the top of Sione yeah. and another two defenders.
1: And It's, it's interesting because I think Bevan's always been sneaky strong. You know, he's got that wiry body frame because you remember that, the first game we played against the Broncos last year, when he scored that, you know, that sort of uh, game yeah, we try at the end, three three players on him and he just pushed it over. Yeah, and he just pushes over. And once again, I think he's got uh, he's very good at finding. Uh, back when separation. I played, the, that's right. They'll call the T one T two. He's got that something
2: where they sort of go to tackle on high pie and you just sort of just a little push. Yes. But they just sort of fall back a little
1: bit, and a su- the little ones. bit of
2: separation. And it's, yeah, then he can just, his feet, and they're looking at his feet, and they're going 100 mile an hour in every different direction, and that's
1: it. And it was good to see, that I was just going to say, he was one of the best ball-playing fullbacks I'd seen come through the the NYC and its various iterations from uh, Toyota to Holden Cup. Uh, But in first grade, he didn't quite have the timing there. And it was good to see, in the few movements where he got the players at that final fulcrum point for the pass... That he was very crisp, put Hoffman over for the first try for the Eels, and otherwise, you know, played nicely down the left edge as well. So, signs are very good. And once Quint's back, in the, was it round four? Is he shooting for? Or is that what the. I think he said round three the other day. Round three. Okay. So if I thought it was round three or four. I couldn't remember off the Fox Sports article. You know, we've got a real dilemma. Uh, you know, some, once again, much like with the forwards on the bench, there's going to be good players missing out in the back line.
0: Well in the second half, French showed that he's still a quality winger yeah. um scoring that try in the, the corner. That was pretty good work yes, from pain leading up to it too. But
3: I had to keep reminding myself, watching the game, especially in the second half, that it's only a trial. They get too carried away. Yeah. yeah. They're on fire. <laughs> Maybe the knights have, have backed off a bit, but they were very, very good. And I was really impressed with our bench. Like I said, yes. Evans who we picked on the bench. He was he was really good. Matangi was really good. Um Alvaro starting was really good, so was Timmy Manor. The back row did their job. Mitchell Moses, he he looks even better than last year. If that's possible, he was brilliant last year. He looks even better again. Uh, and I, I couldn't really fault anybody at all. Like Cameron King really went good at hooker, and even the guys yeah, on on an know,
1: individual team level, it's very hard to pick apart that performance. Yeah, obviously definitely. Brad came out. Brad came out and said that Bevan could have been better on the Sean Kennedy out outdry, yeah. which is fair criticism. Yep. And obviously, oh, sorry, the other part was the goal kicking, which we already touched on. But I think. You know you, you're absolutely correct in saying that you can't get carried away because it's only a trial. But it was very pleasant to see the team pick up where it left off if, in eh, uh, 2017.
3: Even that last you 20 know, minutes, we eh, the last 20 minutes when they brought a few of the um, Wendy players on to give the rest of the first graders a rest, we didn't let any tries in. Yeah, you know, the defence was still coming up in a straight line. Everybody was marking them in. That's the the wingers didn't
1: rush yeah, in. Yeah, you can see it was brilliant. Okay? You can see the the up the upskilling and the systems that have been put in place from 16s onwards to first grade, which we never had guys coming in. That's right. Yep. The continuity between grades and guys coming in and knowing their job, so they can be just you know another moving part in a, a strong uh, unit. Uh, one one of the pleasant things for me was also we we threw a lot of different looks at Newcastle. We put Will Smith into the halves. Uh, we mentioned that Jared Hayne went to fullback and Bevan French went to the wing. Uh, we rotated a lot of different, you know, looks and formations at him, and it was n- not perfectly seamless, but the drop in quality was not so noticeable that you know you couldn't help but be impressed. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we mentioned Kane, Kane Evans was good from the bench. I thought, you know, his first hit out for the club since signing and coming off that broken arm from the World Cup, he was almost guilty of trying too hard, perhaps. You yeah, a couple hit ups a set for each of the opening sets he had, but he had plenty of impact through a nice offload. And I mentioned it before, but I thought Murata was the player to improve his stocks the most in the final quarter of play. He came on, ran the ball really hard, got a penalty for his efforts, and he defended really strongly. So he'll be, I mean, it's a loaded bench. And I mean, how hard is it picking it, guys? And you look and try and fit someone like Murata on there, and he's going to have to wait for an injury or two. Which you know, sucks saying it, but that's the reality of the business.
3: Yeah, well it's hard to it's hard to not have someone like Matangi on there. How hard he ran when he came yeah. on as well, and then I you've mean, got Varve. Yeah, Kenny was really good when he came on as well. He upped the tempo just like he was I'm doing pretty, last year. So
1: I'm pretty I'm pretty certain. Sixties um, tweeted today that T Rex took part. Uh, T and Varve both took part in a post session today. So they're both. Uh, I think T Rex is probably a little bit further off, but they're both coming back on the recovery trial. So more depth for the team. All right, and
0: him. Who was your standouts?
1: What first grade?
0: Yeah,
2: um, Bevan French.
0: Any other standouts? For just the one.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. They oh, were the uh, I'd have to say the bartenders five dollar cans. <laughs> that was that was good.
1: They're, how that's... about how about the continental buffet supplied? Oh. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, by um, by our uh, resident Italian forty. <laughs> there was some salami. There was cheese. There was olives. There was jets. There was wings, galore. I hope, so, I hope you had
3: a sunroof in the good, car on the way home. Some of that gas
4: out. That's fancy um, for Maitland, you say?
2: But the fans of Maitland.
4: No, a bit fancy food, you know, dining. Oh. At
1: Mayland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing, doing a road trip to the countryside, you've got to look after the boys a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, Hemi Penny
0: was shut when the game was
1: over. Yeah, was they out. shut very early, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't, um, they didn't all right, sorry, so there.
0: just back onto the game. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, back onto the game. Uh, my other concern was, uh, of course, Hoffman and R uh, under the high ball. Uh, they didn't look set at all. I think Avaar came up early and made a really good
1: grab. But beyond that... Great um, take at the start. And yeah. Then, yeah he got a little bit shaky. Now I think it's probably on a it's gonna be on a fundamental level for Avar, but in his defense, the corner of the field where he had all his troubles that was actually not lit properly. The yes, the lighting stopped at about the twenty meter line and it got to real twilight territory for him, so it was probably you know struggling with that. But yeah, you could see that the fundamental issues where he you know get into a good position initially, but then second guess himself. So that's going to have to be addressed, you know, uh, before round one, because teams will key onto that very quickly.
4: I don't think it's because he's such a big guy; he's not like agile enough to change directions quickly. So, but if, if you watch him, foot- him, he,
1: he gets himself in a good position initially, and yeah. then he starts to shuffle, and then oftentimes when it's in the actual live games, he'll turn his head at the last moment instead of watching the ball into the bread basket. So it, it's you know it's technical issues that can be fixed with repetition. It's just a matter of, you know, drilling it into him. But it it is a, a concern. That's right. We did say goal-kicking was the major concern, but that is also a very big concern. All right. And, of course, I
0: thought the the ball handling was quite good, um, especially with how humid it was there. Still, um, after the game finished, about 9 o'clock, it was still, you know, sweat, sweating material. Yeah. It was so humid. So um, I thought they were quite good. Um, as PM's just said, uh, play the balls were good too. I didn't see too many infringements. Um, on we the weren't. Play the ball. I don't think
1: there was an offensive playable penalty against us in the first. No, grade. I don't recall one. No, so, no I don't think even so. For the Nights, there wasn't any. So I, yeah, I missed the
3: first five minutes, but I don't remember seeing one in the other seventy-five minutes of the game from either side. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, which, which is really good because um, we mean we we got caned at training multiple times when the um, NRL officials came in. So it's good to see the boys learning from it.
2: And that's the main thing: learning from it, and you know we can all. Shit, uh, getting a uh, hissy fit about you know play the ball penalties, but that's the way the refs are going to interpret the rules this year, so they have to abide by it. That's the. That's
1: I mean, my the, my uh, knock on that is that we've already seen inconsistency in the trials, so yeah, they've yeah. you know already failed to consistently maintain that interpretation across the course of trial games. Yeah, they, that's 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 what we want, and unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get it. So.
4: Anyway, what are your what are your thoughts of um, Hayne playing fullback for a bit? You think I was surprised by that. I thought he'd be centre for the whole game. I mean,
1: if, if something happens to Bevan in the first couple of weeks, he's probably first drop fullback at this point in time. So, oh, Will Smith's there too, I suppose. But I think it was pretty pretty innocent. It gets a chance for Hayne to uh, get more metres into the legs faster. You know, at centre you have a chance to sort of bludge on one edge if the play goes away from you. And plus, if you've got a two time Dallium fullback, yeah, then... exactly. It, it doesn't hurt to have a look at him. Sorry, Pierre. It, it, sort, of, it sort of,
3: yeah. It sort of covers you too. If, um, say, Jennings gets a bit of hamstring soreness halfway through a game, they take him off. You could bring Tacker back on and put him in the centres. Mm, now you exactly. could move Hain, Hain to fullback and French and, to the wing or something. You could do. You could shuffle around a bit there at the back. And but when we did and, shuffle yeah, around a bit, a huge Newcastle problem. didn't pick that in the second half. I thought too, they were sort of lost a bit. Oh, what's Hayne doing there? Hang on, wasn't he over there a minute ago? And he created that try for French out the side there, and he was virtually unmarked when he chimed in the back line there. It was back it actually like back back yeah, two thousand and nine we
1: chimed in. Sorry? I forgot to mention I was gonna say I forgot to mention the players that impressed me uh, because we're sort of wrapped up in Bevan and a couple of forwards. But I, I thought Corey was um quietly very good. Uh, he was attacking the line very aggressively, he had a really nice short side move that set up the Michael was it Michael Jennings? Uh, uh yep, to that to was Bevan off the kickoff cover. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, he was, as you expect, he was working very crisply with Moses uh, in the left the uh, left side movements in general. So, yeah, I, I really liked what I saw from Corey because I thought he had a, a quiet finish in 2017. So he's got plenty to prove on a personal level.
0: Um, I also thought Miroa's defence was very good when he came on. And, of course, Bo Scott was great defensively. He absolutely nailed Mitch oh. Pierce a couple of times <laughs> and uh, and got him one time uh, that resulted in a penalty to Newcastle, <laughs> um, but beyond that, yeah, everybody was quite good, um, couldn't uh, take anything away from anybody, uh, as PMs just said, Moses was also quite good, he had that rest after half-time, I don't know if he had a bit of cramp, or he was stre- he seemed to be stretching it out on the sideline, but then as soon as he came back on, scored a try right under the
1: post, so um, yeah, everybody was great, good trial. It it was, and most importantly, there was no serious injuries to come out of it. When that's what you really that, that's to right, forty. So you know, plenty. I mean, there's plenty of hype from Parramatta fans, understandably, following that result. But you know, you, you keep your heads focused towards round one. You know, we're going to have a big derby game against the Panthers out west. We're of Paris, in disarray at the moment. Which which oftentimes backs against the wall, siege mentality, come out. You know, a bit of an ambush game. I know there's a lot of um rumored discontent between management, coaching, and players on different levels. You know, and oftentimes that can, you know, foster a, a an environment where the players come out and they're just going to say, "Well, stuff it, let's go play some footy." So yeah, everybody's against, against us. Tougher, so. Exactly, the world's out to get us.
3: Have they got players and, left? Can... <laughs> I just keep
1: hearing somebody sign <laughs> well, someone else, just,
0: and you know.
1: Tyrone's made it made it official. He's going to the Gold Coast next year. So, I think they're trying the...
0: to secure an early release with Carl the, Lawton. That's, um, Shifting. That's so
1: often, yeah. So often the case is, and if a player signs more than twelve months out, you can take it to the bank that the they're going to be playing uh, for that club within weeks.
3: That's where the so we need the trade surprised. window, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But
1: that's where we need. That's that. right. It's one. That's one of the the quality of life improvements you could talk about in another day for the NRL.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, bringing on to that, our first match against Penrith is of course uh, Sunday afternoon fixture. Uh, at Penrith at four ten PM. Go in and get your tickets. Um, I'm going to get mine as soon as I get off the podcast. Although um, be aware, it's twenty five dollars for general admission. Um, I sort of balked at that the other day when remember, I saw that. Remember I'm, when
1: they were going to make tickets more family friendly? No, it's a big, it's a big derby game, so they they picked you know, a f- going to they
3: picked their a their few money. games to do that because I actually went on had a look at round five when we played the Panthers at A and Z on a Sunday afternoon. they talked about that being the family game or whatever. You can get $40 family tickets if you sit behind the goalposts. Now, if you go to one or two games a year, you don't want to sit behind the goalpost, do you? So if I want to sit side-on, I've got to pay 38 bucks. Well, the good thing about ANZ
0: is you just swing a you just move around yeah, and you're like, yeah, no true. one's there. I yeah. so. used to do that at Parramatta anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on. Um, we've done the news, we've done the review of the big games. Uh, previews for next week, of course, we don't have the first grade in action or um, Jersey Flag or ISP until the following weekend. But this weekend, we'll have the junior reps in action. Uh, Tasha Girls playing at 1 p.m., so they're the last game on the scorecard at New Era Stadium up against the Dragons. Does anybody know how the Tasha Girls Dragons girls have been going?
2: Um, I know the Steelers are going really well. The Dragons are running sixth at the moment, and they've won two out of three games, so...
0: So at least there'll be a bit of competition there. Hopefully the girls can get their first win of the season. Uh, On to the next match, which is actually the first match of the day at 10am, New Era Stadium in the Harold Matthews sees the Eagles playing the Bunnies. Uh, hoping for a bounce back after last week's uh, close loss.
1: Yes. Yeah, it'll be, once again, this is what we came back to with the what we were saying about the 20s. It's going to be very telling to see how they respond from the result last week. Uh The the 16s, I don't think, are as strong as the 18s overall, but they're still a very good team. So, you know, no excuses not to get a bounce-back win here. And if not that, show that, you know, fundamentally, they're on on the right path.
0: And then at 11.30, we have the SG Ball team against the Bunnies again, um, also at New Era Stadium. So, again, we're hoping for a bounce-back after that 30-point loss last week. That's right. All right, and will any of you boys be down there from the TCT
1: or not sure as yet? My plan is to get out, but I've got some uh, book work to do for the shop, so knock on wood, I can um, smash it out tomorrow. But, yeah, I do hope to get out to New York, and I suppose you're going to be out there, Yep, definitely be out there. Yeah, so hopefully we're all, uh, sort of all hands on deck, get the chance to look at the boys play. All right, now
0: talking about the start to the season, uh, I thought we'd just run through... Uh, we've already done it in bits and pieces over the off season, but we'll start with expectations uh, on where we should be finishing this season. I'll start with you, Bertie.
4: Yeah, no, I reckon um, at least top eight. You know, I'd be happy a top four finish, but you know, um, I, wanna, I don't want to be like another Canberra Raiders from twenty seventeen. You know, they had the a good year twenty sixteen and just dropped dropped tremendously. So anything in the top eight, I'm happy with. Top four, be super happy. So.
1: And 40? Yes. Uh, we recently did our Crystal War predictions on TCT, and I optimistically slot us into second, which was not the highest uh, pick. I think uh, Chris had us at um, number one with a very uh, bold entire series of uh, predictions. I think um, top four has to be the goal at the very minimum. Top eight would be uh, success, but also a disappointment if we finish in the bottom half of that. So... The team we've got, you know, you look at the Roosters, the Storm, and the Cowboys, they're seen as a benchmark. I think that we're, in a general sense, seen as a half-step behind them.
0: But Probably in line know, with the Sharks and the Dragons, That that, that seems
1: to be the, the tier, maybe Sharks and maybe Broncos or Dragons, if they're better than expected on the same level as us. But I think you're looking for top four and if injuries, if a little bit of luck on those tight games swings your way, you're looking top two, maybe minor premiership. But, you know, that's that's the sort of stuff that you you can't count on. And Hamish? Uh,
2: yep. So I'm going to go past ladder positioning, I think, uh, at least the third week of the finals. You know, this year we bowed out after two consecutive after two consecutive losses. Um, I reckon, a, you know, the goal always should be to win a premiership. But if we... I think, as fans, we should be expecting um, at least the third week of the finals this year. Okay, and
3: PM, I had as, as fourth right up until last Saturday night when I watched us play the Knights, and I've you know seen a bit of what the Roosters have had. I think we might finish third. I am thinking the top eight's going to have the Cowboys, Storm, Eels, and Roosters in it, and yeah, we'll go at, at, we'll go one week at minimum one week better than last year, where we can make the grand final. I don't know but we can definitely go a week better than last year. we just seem to have a bit more balanced side and a lot more depth than we've had in the past, and I think that's where we stand out from some other teams, maybe not the Roosters. If they get a couple of injuries, I think they're going to struggle, where if we get two or three injuries apart from maybe a half, we're pretty much covered with what we've got left there. So I reckon
0: third. Well, on that, we do have the uh, fill-in 5.8, uh 40 kicking extraordinaire in <laughs> Brad Takarangu. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> So uh, we we might be well settled for halves if one goes down. I assume Will Smith or Brad Takarangi are probably going to be the, the two uh, first in line for that position. Yeah, they're just not the same class yeah, as what we've already got there, are they? That's, that's the thing. No, no we're, definitely,
3: we're, definitely we're, not. We could drop definitely. a back rower and replace him with somebody who's nearly as good. You
1: know what I mean? Like, it's, it's interesting because you look at the roster construction and we have a distinct lack of pure backup halves and obviously that's one of the biggest flaws we've been criticising 24. for. But you look at the versatility of the first-grade roster, and you've got Will Smith, you've got uh, Brad Takarangi, you know, Kenny Edwards has done a job for us, Jared Haynes done a job in the halves before, uh, Quentin Gufferson's pretty handy at 5'8 as well. So there's you know five or six different guys you could throw into partnership with one of Norman and Moses and get a pretty functional relationship going.
0: All right. Um, my biggest fear is having the, the number nine position. Obviously, we've got two players in Kayser and King who have a history of injuries. So hopefully those two uh, can make it through the season. If they do, uh, again, I'm expecting a a top four finish. Uh, There were a number of games last year which were very close. You know, we had a couple of golden points uh, which went our way, a couple of uh, one-try games that went our way. So obviously those things can swing pretty quickly if you're not on top of it, as Raiders showed this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So... uh, hopefully BA has the boys switched on because it's not going to be any easier this year. It's going to be harder with some of those teams that were in the top four getting better.
1: That's right. And, you no, know, we came you know, in a general sense, you know, we came from the clouds last year, even though para fans are pretty optimistic. So now you've got a bit of a target on your back. So, you know, teams are going to aim up against you every week, knowing that Parramatta are a current top four team or, you know, uh, what's the word? All right. A incumbent top oh, sorry. four team.
0: Sorry. sorry. Um, so, next uh, one to tackle is our Boom Rick, Rookie of the Year. Who do we reckon is going to make a break out of, um, you know, sort of ISP and, and force their way into first grade? Uh, I think everybody sort of flagged uh, Hakuna Murata.
1: What a wonderful <laughs> phrase.
0: Now, I'll, Has anybody mm-hmm. else got a tip?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm I'll, sorry, Pam.
3: Ray Stone, I think. Yeah, Ray Stone reminds me a lot of Mark Laurie from back in the, uh, the mid to late 80s, early 90s. He's just tough. He's not a huge man, but he's tough. He'll tackle all day. He'll run the ball up when there needs a hard run up. I I think he's a chance that, and there's a lot of blokes available for the back row, but he's a chance maybe if there's an injury of forcing his way onto the bench. I I can't see him getting in the starting lineup this year, but I could see him forced his way onto the bench at some stage in the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, Stoney's a good pick, I think, if uh, the back row depth gets tested that way. Uh, the other one, you know, going back to what Hamish just mentioned about one of his big worries for our season with the hooker crisis, if, you know, King and Pritchard and even Will Smith get, you know, struck down, I think Reed Marnie could be a name to monitor in that regard. He's not going to be sitting on the coaching staff. Yeah, he's, he finally got removed from the coaching staff today, actually. They got their profiles updated with pictures and stat uh, uh, weight measurements and whatnot. Uh, so he's no longer in the coaching staff of Brad Arthur, is he's 2 IC. He's actually in the forwards. But yeah, he's he's a name to definitely keep a track on if things start going the wrong way for Hooker Dev. You know, he's looked very comfortable in the ISP, and it was once again it was only the, the garbage time of the NRL trial, but he came on and you know just did his job. You know, crisp crisp service, defended pretty well against the big boys. So I think that's a guy just if everything goes south, keep an eye on him.
3: Yeah, you'd see him as a as a as, he'd have to have somebody like Walspeff on the bench to interchange with him.
1: I couldn't see. Yes, him at his yeah, his age, and his size, right. playing eighty minutes in the middle as a defence. True, it'd be truly desperate times if if he has to play eighty by himself. But he does have the engine capable for it. But yeah, I, I don't think so. And I suppose the the other name, if we're going to keep throwing darts at the board, is uh, Greg Lissiwell. So he's coming back from a, a injury that kept him from contact training. Uh, he had a bit of a slow start to the preseason, but he bounced back uh, nicely after Christmas. And he's a, he's a player that will shine once he gets some game time, you know, a bit of um work on the field because he's always been that sort of player. And if we have question marks over our wingers as far as under the high ball or, you know, there's injuries, he could be in the mix too.
0: All right. Now on to who our uh, expected top try scorer of the sea, uh, this year will be. My tip is, of course, Bevan French. Thirty.
4: Yeah, um... I'm going to go with Josh Hoffman. If he's outside Hain, I reckon he could score 16 tries, I reckon. 16? Yeah. I, I had a couple
1: of boys in the footy that were getting on the Hoffman hype train for top try score. I think they got pretty good odds. And if you if you go that way, they might mind a bit of a, a a punt. So he could be a sneaky good one. Like Bertie was saying, he's outside a, a lethal right edge. And 40 and Hamish, have you guys got somebody different in mind? Uh, maybe Avar or,
0: or Jennings or...
2: No, nah, I think Bev will um, score a few at fullback, and then when Gaffo comes back, the king, I think on the wing, I think he'll actually take um, – I have a feeling Hoffman will drop out. Be- we're, uh, we're Bev will take on the right wing with Alvar on the left. So, yeah, I, 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 but that's only from what I've seen in the trial. Um, we're,
1: we're such an edge-dominant attacking team, aren't we, that it's really hard to go past uh, one of um, French, you know, Guffo if he's back early enough or even Hoffman if he stays holds a spot in the team. You know, our wingers and, and outside backs get so much of our premier attacking opportunities.
0: And that sorry, that should be noted as well is that other are playing on the right last season has switched back to left. And of course Jennings who played the latter half of last season on the right has now also switched back to the left. So that's um, same pairing but opposite side of the field. Um, now on to Run. Who's going to be without a try this season? Oh.
3: Mm. Um, without a try, that's a tough one. Probably Cameron um, King's
1: a good pick, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would have said Kingy. Him or Timmy? I, I want to see him. I want to see him score purely, so we can see the dab lord in action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. Well, maybe Varve. Well, he's saying uh, there's a minimum amount of games because I'd say probably Varve won't get a try in first grade this year, but he might only
0: play half a dozen games too.
1: Yeah, that's fair. What about five, five, six games, Hamish? Do you reckon that's a cut off?
0: Yeah, five six games. That's that's definitely a good cut off.
3: Yeah, um, say so, so Varve then he won't get one.
2: Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Kenny Edwards.
0: No cheeky, no cheeky, quick taps.
2: <laughs> no, the defence will wisen up a little bit. <laughs> I think you'll oh, be oh, setting much. up too many. Sorry, oh.
4: Birdie. I think Corey Norman like. Oh. Can, wow. But, wow. You know, like, I can't see him.
1: Like, go big or go home. It's Good just,
4: um, like, how is he going to score a try? Is he going to be backing up from yeah, someone mean, making a break? Generally speaking,
1: you got to get over the line and put the ball down. Yeah, yeah that's probably how
4: I score a try. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, just, I, just, I don't see him making long runs, you know, like no. a dummy and making running a 40-yard run. So I'm thinking but score one he's going to offload.
3: He'll score one close to the line, yeah. He's got a little bit of footwork there, quite often. They they all rush up to his outside backs, and he shimmies off the left, shimmies off the right, and gets over the line for the try. That's right. He'll score three or four this year. He did try one of those on
0: on last Saturday night, close to the line as well. Um, He does back his running game every now and again. Yeah. Uh,
1: Who do I shoot? Well,
4: if he doesn't score, there'll be a vlog on YKTR, so that's (laughs) all right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think Bo Scott's a safe pick, maybe. I don't know. He's also one of those guys that finds it finds itself in the right situation for an offload, you know, once or twice a season. Was that, yeah, that one De that Hennel was about two seasons that? ago, where
0: where he scored two in that one game, and they were just the most freaky things ever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> one, one was of Takara, wasn't it? I like a, a <laughs> Takara offload. He dumped it off. Um, uh, if I want to go, if I want to do a birdie and go bold, who's who's a outside back that won't score a try? No, there's no way. We're, we're, we're too dominant on the edges. There's no way none of our outside of backs <laughs> don't score tries. Uh, but perhaps Teddy Manner? He hasn't scored one in a while. And, no, didn't he get on the board last year? Yeah, they set, I think he got on the board last year, yeah. But yeah. They, they did, they they did a set play from a short tap out.
3: on the short side or something, didn't they, against the Bulldogs, I think? Yeah. yeah the, he scored life. that one, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't go over too often, though.
1: What about What about Big Kane Evans? Is he going to score a trial free?
3: Yeah, they tackle him eight metres out and he'll reach
1: out. Is that big? <laughs> <laughs> that's seven-foot wingspan. <laughs> that's something. All right. We'll, going, yeah. oh, sorry, I'll let Terepo on the forwards as well. I think he'll have a, a trial this year.
0: Yeah, yeah he, he might just uh, bobble it over the line like um, in season past. <laughs> Although he looked pretty good the other <laughs> night, cool. Terepo, I'll say. He, he did. did, sharp, did yeah. His hands were good. Um, yep. His defense was also good. Him and um, Kane Evans put on the hit of the night, which uh, bent yeah, Ron, uh, Ron poor Codutris. Jamie Bury in half. <laughs> He might need a new nickname, oh. the old nickname,
3: the old penis hands when you struck the ball a fair bit. I think it might be time for a
0: new <laughs> nickname for him. <laughs> uh, all right. And your surprise packet for the season. So, who's a player that's. I guess Nathan Brown probably would have been the surprise packet of last season. Who do you think is going to come out and um, prove. Maybe not prove the doubt is wrong, but uh, play to a level that is well above what's expected?
2: I reckon Cameron King. He's. um just the kicking game, his selections of passing and running close to the line. He'll finally, I reckon he'll score five tries this year for Cam. Um, but yeah, I reckon he'll uh, look to get up into that Damien Cook, McInnes sort of area where they're just sort of on the fringe of origin, talked about about origin, but maybe not quite picked.
0: That's, that's probably a good shout um, if he can stay on the field like he did to the back to the back end of last year because he's never had really a sustained period playing first grade. So this will be his first uh, sort of look at having, you know, 20 games or so in a row. I reckon Ava will be the surprise
3: packet. I think he's going to lift his game with Semigon. He's going to make a lot more metres coming out of Arrow and End. He's going to be on the back of some really sweet backline plays, and he's going to probably get, I reckon he's going to get minimum 14 tries for the season and he's going to surprise a lot of people that he could lift to that next level.
0: So he's my pick. Well he is a premiership winner I guess. Uh, that was at centre though so obviously playing a different position.
4: I reckon Manu Mao will have a great year because he went off to Tonga, had a decent tournament. I reckon he will be our dominant forward this year. He might get is there a Ford of the year award? I reckon he might win that.
2: we do have the second row of the year in the Dele M's.
4: Uh, do you mean yeah, for the I'm, club? I mean, like, as a club, like, you know, like, you got the Kent Fauna as the best player. Like, I don't think he can win that, but... No, there's, he there's he has the coach's award. He and has then
3: before. Didn't he win it the year before, the year before uh, Brown? He won,
1: he won the 20, 2016 Kent yeah. Fauna medal. That's correct,
3: yeah. I don't think he, it. he played oh. anywhere near as good last year, though.
1: It's, it's interesting, because I was looking at this the other day, and statistically he wasn't that far off his peak numbers, but I think impact-wise, maybe he struggled a little bit, and especially towards the back end of the season, as we hit the postseason, the errors started to creep into his game, and he probably got a little bit frustrated himself and tried to force the matter, which made it worse. So uh, a bounce-back year for Mino would be great to see, I agree. All right, and my tip, um, maybe a
0: little left field, but Takarangi to lift his game in the second row, um, I can see him... Being a Bo Scott-esque uh, change from centre to second rower, um, and I really liked what I saw on the weekend. His playmaking skills, he can kick, he can pass, uh, his defence, uh, especially from the ruck, he he shut down a lot of those uh, inside runs that um the the halves pairing of the Knights tried to put on, uh, which I quite liked. Uh, and plus, his pass selection uh, at second row, I think he can cut out the ball, he can throw to wingers, he can throw to the centre. Can pop an inside ball to a, a, a running forward. Um, I think that's just going to make that right, em- right edge so dynamic when he um, is thrown into the mould there.
1: For me, I think it's um, the two Ks, uh, Kenny and Kane. I think they're going to have a huge impact for us in the. You 40s.
0: can't have you can't have two forty.
1: <laughs> Get off the fence, forty. the on, team. Now he's on You're the fence again. To make it free. <laughs> the, the KK you want to pick three in a minute.
3: I mean, Feeney, come on, <laughs> get. get those splinters out of your ass and get off the fence.
0: <laughs> All right, 40. So so, so sorry, you, Kane and Kenny?
1: I think so. I think Kane, you know, comes in as the, the hand-picked forward from Brad. You know, he's always been talented but never quite – uh, you know, cashed in on that potential at the Roosters. You got glimpses of his best there, but never consistently what you think he could be. Uh, the trial, he showed lots of flashes of potential for us. And Kenny, I think, he just you look at him at training, he's just in incredible shape. And you know, as the interchanges start to wind down, because I think Todd Greenberg was saying they're looking at reducing the six this year or next year. You know, a guy like that can come on and really bring energy, can you know, change the dynamic of games. So I'm looking for those two boys to really spark us.
0: All right. Well, I think that'll just about wrap us up. Uh, under a week, o- uh, sorry, under a week away from the it's NRL week, kicking yeah. off now, um, but nine days away from us playing on the Sunday. A little under that now, um, I guess. Yeah, from the so, one that actually matters. Um, the rest are all just. Yeah, that's exactly right. Who cares? Um, <laughs> um, so on to um, some plugs, Bertie, Where we, can we catch you on Twitter?
4: Yeah, Twitter's uh, Bevan Heaven One. I've got a prediction. We will mm-hmm. have five deputants this year. Hey, Nevens one, Marate the second one, and I'll leave the other three up to you guys to discuss. Swing I for we'll the fences five. again, Bertie. Is that around Origin time when uh, or we've got four players playing Origin or something? Or, or come end of the year, we'll have five players play for the blue and gold for the first time this year.
1: Was, speaking of playing for Origin, the Daily Telegraph had a bit of an article today talking up the chances of you know, I think it was Maroa, Brown, French. Uh, Jennings, Hayne, for Origin, so and Moses, yes. God, that's like 2001 or 2002. We well, they, they, they actually Origin. mentioned those those years, 2001 and uh, what was the other 20 date? There was two dates where we had like six and five players for New South Wales. 2010, and had, 2004, or yeah, 20, five. Yeah, that's right. And then 1983, 1983 and nine, I
0: think man.
3: we had the whole team. that they also referenced <laughs> yeah, we we had, yeah, we had nine players. We had nine players. That's crazy. Right. Some of us were alive, then we even saw it
0: yeah <laughs> all right uh, half a decade away 40 uh, <laughs> what have you got to plug 40
1: uh so Forty. as oh, always sorry. the cumberland fro this is my turn right I'm, I'm not cutting in no go for it <laughs> uh thecumberlandfro.com uh we've had a busy couple of weeks with the preseason winding up i uh, did all the live blogs for the 20s and the reserve grade did some um, post-match forts had predictions for the regular season and the finals. And um, Mitch has been busy creating the watch list, which profiles uh, about half a dozen of the most exciting young prospects pushing through from the depths of our um, reserve grade and 20s. So I think Ray Stone went up today. Jamin Salmon's been out there as well. So you can catch up and um, see a lot of cool stuff there.
0: Right, and Ham?
1: Yep,
2: at... Twitter on at Ham Sandwich Twenty Two and the bam plug today is Hector Gachan.
1: What, what do they do? What's their um? The oh, what's the
2: on? what's the go um for fans of Mac DeMarco and that sort of chill indie rock vibe?
0: All right, and PM. I saw that you've got a discount on the Eels training singlets. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? I do, mate. Paramatta
3: Eels 2018 training singlets. Only got a handful left. $49.95, normally $59.95. You can also use the Parapodcast discount code and get an extra 10% off that price. Where is that at? That's at sportfirstnambucca.com.au. So jump on there in the next few days before they run out and get one of those. You can also grab me on Twitter at
0: paramattas. All right. And um, last one is, of course, our Twitter uh, which is at Parapodcast on Facebook forward slash Parapodcast. You can catch the, uh, the podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud, or if you just type Parapodcast into whatever, uh, Android app you're using. As I said before, I use, uh, Podcast Addict. Uh, you'll be able to find us there. Um, so under a week away, uh, next week we'll be doing the preview. Uh, for our first uh, match of the season, of course, against the Panthers, but we've got one more weekend. All right, boys. Well, thanks for joining us, and um, we'll catch you all next time on the Para Podcast. See you guys later. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Yes. See you, everyone.